you've ever been here, amen. Welcome them and so glad that they are with us here today and hope it's not the last time. We hope that you come back, amen. Praise God. Daniel chapter 3 and verse number 17. Two verses of scripture here, verse 17 and verse number 18. Verse number 17 of Jan Daniel chapter 3, if you have it, say amen. Amen. If you don't have it, say, oh me. You're flipping around there and your Bible's trying to find Daniel in the middle of the major and minor prophets. They're in there somewhere. Daniel chapter 3, verse 17. If it be so, everyone say, if it be so. Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, everyone say, but if not. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. And so taking the first part of verse 17, and the first part of verse 18, our title here this morning is, If It Be So, But If Not. If It Be So, But If Not. Lord, we thank you and praise you today standing upon your word, for your word reveals to us strength, promises, redemption, salvation, and we recognize what it is able to do far above what we could even think or ask. And we pray that you would help us today as we reflect upon your scripture, two different avenues, two different ways of approaching you. I pray that you would strengthen us today in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. If it be so, but if not. Verse 17 starts with those four words. Verse number 18 starts with three words. Before we get into really what is the crux of what I want to say this morning, which should not take very long, it's very simple based on these two phrases, we have to have some kind of background, uh, some kind of context to understand what is taking place in this passage of Scripture. In 605 B.C., Jehoiakim was the king of Judah, and Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, invaded Judah and took Daniel and many other, uh, many other young people, including Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the Hebrew children, hostage to Babylon. Babylon was the ascendant power in the region, and so uh, the southern tribes of Judah finally succumbed and failed. Daniel, when he went, was 16, and he served many, many years in Babylon, so the Hebrew children were just young teenage boys when they were carted off into Babylonian captivity. No doubt this was very dramatic upon their life, just on about every level from mentally, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually being taken from a land in which you're accustomed to and then being transplanted. We're seeing this upheaval take place right now on a, a global level with uh, Russia and Ukraine as people are trying to get out of Ukraine and all of the dramatic effects that that, that that takes and what transpires, families being separated, men staying, families leaving, hunkered down in bomb shelters. And so on a 
a current level, we're seeing some of these dramatic effects of what it must have been like to be carried off into exile. A lot of emotional instability and turmoil psychologically. I do know that in the church in Ukraine, there is a church in Ukraine. There are some that have gone back into Ukraine despite the difficulty and danger because they say we've got to take care of church people and they've had to leave their families behind. So these these Hebrew children made the trek from Egypt to the to this this land called Babylon. They were removed from their land of promise, and in these moments, their faith was tested. They were chosen to serve King Nebuchadnezzar. They were chosen based on their physical, social, and intellectual traits. They were the cream of the crop. They were the best of the best. And they were carried into this land. They were children in whom was no blemish. They were well favored. They were skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science. And they had the ability in them to stand in the king's palace. And they were brought there so that they could teach and learn the tongue of the Chaldeans. They went through a training process. Three years they were in training to re-educate and indoctrinate them with three major efforts. They were to submerge themselves in the Aramaic language and literature of Babylon. They were so accustomed to the Hebrew way, the history of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but this was stripped away from them, and they were to learn the literature of Babylon. They were to revise their dietary provisions, so their diet changed. And they were to transform their way of worship by changing their names to express the Babylonian pantheon. So Daniel, whose name in Hebrew means God is my judge, became Belteshazzar, which means Bel protect his life. Marduk was the chief of the pantheon, and Bel is Marduk, Bel protect his life. Instead of the God of Israel, it is Marduk, the chief of the pantheon, that is my judge. Hananiah's name in Hebrew meant the Lord shows grace, but his name was changed to Shadrach which means the command of Aku, which is the moon god. And so their names were changed from Hebrew to a Babylonian understanding and reflection. Mishael, whose name is who is what God is, became Meshach, which means who is what Aku is. Aku was the moon god. Azariah, his name means the Lord helps and his name was changed. Abednego became, Azariah, the Lord helps, became Abednego, which is the servant of Nego, or the God of wisdom. So everything in their life was completely transformed and changed. But there was an inner resolve and a personal integrity in these Hebrew children that said, no matter where we go, we're going to serve the one true living God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and him only shalt thou serve. And so they purposed in their heart that they would not defile themselves with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank, 
And so they requested that there would be different dietary measures. They were given a period of space to see whether or not that would work. And after that period of time, they had favor and they were shown tender love by the prince of the eunuchs and they were given an acceptable alternative and they came out stronger than their peers. They were of greater value. These young men were exiled. They were chosen according to the king's standard. They were tested according to God's standard. They were approved as superior in all respects and they were appointed to serve the king as trusted advisors. They purposed in their heart and in their life that I may be in a foreign world and dominated by a culture of a foreign world, but I'm still going to maintain my convictions and my integrity. I'm going to serve God in the midst of difficulty and in the midst of the storm. I want to preach today and tell you that you can serve God in the midst of where we live and how we live. We're in the world, but we are not of the world. You can purpose in your heart, I'm going to live for God. You can purpose in your spirit, I'm going to do exploits for the kingdom of God. I may be under duress. There may be a world trying to redefine and change me, but I know who I am. I'm a child of the king. I'm a son and a daughter of Jesus Christ, and he has made me an heir of salvation. And so I've got only good things to saved in the house of God today. I'm thankful that I feel his anointing and his presence and his goodness. I'm not walking away from that. I'm not changing things for that. The world can try to redefine me, but I want the world to know he's done nothing but good to me, and I'm identified by his name. I was baptized in that name. Praise God and filled with his anointing and with his spirit. Praise God. So I'm purposing in my life. I'm purposing in my heart. I'm going to serve God. We need people today that purpose in their mind and in their heart. I'm going to make a commitment. I'm not giving God 50%. I'm not giving God 60%. I'm not giving God 75% and then trying to dicker with the other uh, remaining amount. But God, I want you to know something. In the house of God today, I am purposing in my life to give you 100%. I may not measure up all the time, but I want you to know that I'm willing to give you everything that I've got. We need a people and a church with people in the church with this kind of commitment. It doesn't matter come hell or high water. I'm going to give you absolutely everything that I have. I'm going to spend my life for the kingdom of God. I'm not withholding anything, but I'm putting my confidence in your hands. Praise God, if you're teetering on the edge here this morning, let me preach to you. Step all the way in. Step all the way in. Walk through the door that God has opened and say, God, I may not understand everything, but I want you to know that I am fully committed to you. (laughs) 
Praise God, Ronnie. Ronnie, you've been in the hospital, but you're here in the house of God today, and we're so thankful you're here in the house of God today. God's doing things in your life, brother. Step on through the blessings that God is working in your life and say, God, I want everything that you'd be willing to give me. These men were purposed in their heart and in their life. And that's the backdrop. That's, that's the backdrop of everything that they're going through. But really, what I want to focus on just for a few moments here this morning is, is the faith statements that they make in these two passages of Scripture that we have read. If it be so, but if not. They were in this environment, in this situation under a, a global dominating government in Babylon with a king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar that was very much an egocentric individual and they found themselves working under that administration <laughs> and in that bureaucracy. Nebuchadnezzar constructed a huge gold-plated image and he summoned all of the government officials to its dedication in Daniel chapter number 3. He invited everybody there. He invited the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the province to come to the dedication to the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And so they all gathered together and a herald came out and cried aloud in Daniel chapter 3, verse number 4, to you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king hath set up. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, at that time when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and all kinds of music, and all the people, the nations, and the languages, fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. So loyalty to the king and to the empire would be expressed in three terms. Fall down, worship, and serve. And these three words are repeated over and over in chapter number three. For example, fall down, it's mentioned in verse 6, 7, 10, and 15. You will fall down in front of the image and then you will worship, verses 6, 7, 10, 12, 15, 18. You will fall down to this image, and you will worship this image, and you will serve this image, verses 12, 14, 17, and 18. These are all found in chapter number 3. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this violated the first two commandments of the Ten Commandments, that the Hebrew children believed and had convictions regarding. 
Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 3, this is what the commandment that was given in the Ten Commandments stated. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make any unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers unto the children of the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. They were not to erect any kind of graven image that had anything to do with the pantheon, the heavens, or anything in God's creation. And they certainly were not to bow down and to worship them. These Hebrew children held true to those convictions. We're not bowing down and we're not serving because we serve the one true living God. I cannot fall down and I certainly cannot worship this image because I have a conviction and therefore I will not do this. Not falling, not worshiping. I'm in a situation where I'm serving in an administration, but I can't fall down to an image and worship something that is just an image. Praise God. The Hebrews knew that you can't worship an image because there is nothing to an image. You can worship a God because a God's going to walk with you and be faithful to you. And they knew that God called to Moses out of a burning bush and Moses wanted to know, what am I supposed to tell the people when I go back and tell them that God told me and God said, just know this, I'll be with you. I'll go with you. I am the I am. And so I'll be with you. You may not see me in any kind of fashion or form. I'm not like the gods of the, the nations, but I'll be with you and I'll be faithful. And they knew that that God led them out of Egypt, led them across the Red Sea, led them into a promised land, and they served that God. They knew that an idol of a tree would not accomplish anything. An idol of a stone or made out of special metal would not accomplish anything because those are dead gods and they don't respond to you. They're just an image, but they have no power in themselves. They knew the God that we serve is all-powerful. Those gods are dead gods. The God that we serve is a God of the living. He's the living God. I want you to know something today. There are people that are still serving idolatry and images that are dead gods that can't respond, can't hear, and don't have any idea or understanding of what you go through. But we serve a God in the house today that stepped into this place that is not a dead God, but he's a God of the living. He knows what you're going through. He'll be faithful to what you're going through if you'll trust him. If you'll trust him. And so they were accused by the astrologers of treason, probably because of envy, because they did not bow down. Even though they had positions in government, they made a majestic resolution. They didn't bow down. They, they were not intimidated. They stood tall. The music played, but they refused to fall down and worship and serve an image. 
And so there were those that made the accusation. Nebuchadnezzar became furious. He became furious. And he told them, once again, he repeated the same thing that the herald repeated. The music's going to play, and when it plays, everybody's going to bow to this image that I have constructed. And these Hebrew children made a majestic resolution when they said to the king, O King Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. And this is what we read in our text, and this is really what I want to focus on just for a few moments here this morning. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. There are two ways of approaching faith, and it's represented in this passage of Scripture. If it be so means I believe God is able to deliver us out of the burning, fiery furnace. Do you believe that God is a God that is able? That side of faith says God is able to do anything that there is nothing that is impossible with God. Praise God. That's a majestic faith statement. I don't care what it looks like. God is able to do the miraculous. I don't care how long it look, looks like it's been dead. God knows how to resurrect a phoenix out of the ashes. God is able to do the supernatural. Oh, I wish I had somebody in this place that had a little bit of faith that said, you know what, I can attest to and testify of how great God is because there were situations in my life that looked like it was an impossibility, but God worked the impossible. God's a God that is able to do above and beyond what we could even think or ask. And I've come to preach and ask somebody today. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God is a God of signs, miracles, and wonders? And when I extend my faith before God, God is able to do what everybody else thought was an impossibility. God is able to pull from a mighty long way. He's able to raise from the dead. He's able to open blind eyes. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Let's praise God because he's a God that is able. You got situations in your life here today that seem insurmountable. Put your faith in a God that is able. If it be so, God is able to save us from the fiery furnace. Woo, I feel the whole, I feel faith in this place right now. Praise God. You need to lift your hands and lift your voice and say, God, I believe if it be so, you're a God that is able to do it. You can heat the fiery furnace up seven times hotter. If it be so, we're not careful in how we answer this. God is a God that is able to accomplish what seems to be an impossibility. 
Hallelujah. This is a theme in Scripture. It's a thread that runs through the entire Bible. Praise God. Let somebody else say that miracles are for yesterday. That was for the first century. It's not for today. God's still in the business of doing what looks like an impossibility. Is there, is there a witness here today that would say, man, if you could have seen my situation, there was no way out of it. There was no way through it. There was no way over it. But God did it. He did it. He did it. If it be so, God can deliver us out of the fiery furnace. Amen. I'm, I'm coming closely to a, a completion and a finish here this morning, but, but praise God. There's two sides of this faith statement. If it be so, God is able. God can do it. God can accomplish it. We're standing at the Red Sea shore. What do we do? The Egyptians are behind us. The people were complaining. Moses said, God, what are we going to do? God said, what's in your hand? A rod. He said, stretch a rod out over the Red Sea. And the Red Sea parted. And they walked through. God did it. If it be so, God can take us through the Red Sea. Hallelujah. Praise God. They got on the other side. They came to Jericho, tall, walled cities. How are we ever going to accomplish this? There's no way we can penetrate. It's, it's too much of an obstacle, an obstruction. But God said, you just march around the walls seven days and on the seventh day, seven times. And at the end of that, you let out a shout and you watch what I'm able to do. If it be so, God can tear these walls down. If it be so, God can take us through on dry ground. If it be so, these walls can come down. My goodness, you can walk through the entirety of Scripture. If it be so, God is able. He is able. So that's one position of faith that must be established. We, we should believe God to the far fringes of, of, of believability. That's what faith is. Faith says, I, I don't even see how that's a possibility, but faith says it is possible. And so we extend our faith as far out as we possibly can. Praise God. And it's, and, until it's completely over, it's not over. It's not over until it's over. And so I'm going to put my faith and my confidence and trust in God. Listen to me. You may have, you may have family members that are not in church. And you may look at their life and the circumstances surrounding their life and say, that is an impossibility. But listen, I want you to keep putting your faith out there to say, it's not over until it's over. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep fasting. I'm going to keep trusting in God. Praise God. There's families in these in this church that have prayed for their grandfather, grandmother, brother, sister, father, mother for years. Not just years, but decades. They
They kept putting their faith in front of them. It looked like an impossibility. Too much time has passed, but it's not over until it's completely over. And, and at some point, somebody walked through the back doors and said, you know what? God has been dealing with me for a long time. I'm going to live for God and serve God. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't wave the white flag. Just keep sending out your faith and confidence that if it be so, God is still able because he's a sovereign God. Praise God, if, 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 we can't, if we can't respond to this majestic statement of faith, there is something wrong with the church. I know the world likes to criticize us. You people, you believe that God is able to do everything, and then when he doesn't do everything, you shift and turn and do something else. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. We're going to keep putting our faith in God that he is able to do. If it be so, God is able to deliver us from the fiery ferns. But in conclusion here today, there's another side that is, but if not. <laughs> We want to live in the if it be so because we believe that God is able to do it. But if not, well, now that's another, that's another statement. The Hebrew children said if it be so, God can deliver us out of the fiery furnace. But if not, if he doesn't deliver us out of the fiery furnace, we're not careful in how we're going to answer you, O King Nebuchadnezzar. Whether he delivers us or not, we are not bowing down to this image. We are not going to fall, and we are not going to worship. Praise God. There's another side of this that says, but if not. Hebrews chapter 11, the, the heroes of the faith tell us that there were, there were many that did not receive the promise. They believed in it. If it be so, they believed in it. The Bible says in this chapter, in verse 35 of chapter 11, women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection, and others had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment, they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. They went through all of these things believing in the if it be so and yet having to live with but the if not. But if not, but if not. I, I want you to know something. I want to live in the if it be so.
But I also recognize and understand I've also got to live in the but if not. If it doesn't happen the way that I'm praying for it to happen, I'm still going to be worshiping God. Praise God. I'm still going to be worshiping God. Hallelujah. Cancer may come to my body. I'm still going to be worship God. He may heal me, but if he doesn't, I'm still going to praise God. I'm not bowing down to this image. I believe that God is able, but if God doesn't do it, I'm I'm still going to put my confidence in God. But if not, I want to know here today, if God doesn't answer the prayer, can you still serve God? If God doesn't work it out the way that you want it to be, will you still praise God for everything that he's done in your life? Oh, I know that's more difficult, isn't it? That's, that's much harder because our, our, our inclination is to stretch our faith out and say, if it be so, but sometimes the tragedy and the reality is, but if not, I've got to accept some things. They may not turn out exactly the way I want it to turn out. I'm still going to pray about it. I'm still going to believe God for it. But when the inevitable happens, whatever it is, whether it's good or whether it's bad, I'm still going to serve the one true living God. I will not bow down to the idolatry of the world. I will not blame it on God and try to erect some false image and put my confidence in that because that's not going to save me. That's not going to redeem me. That's not going to take me from this world to another world. But if not, we have to live in the if it be so, but because God can. But can we live in the but if not? There are some things in life that you just have to put before the Lord and say, but if not. There are some situations that you have to put before God and say, but if not. That was not what I wanted to see. That was not what I was praying for. That was not the direction I wanted them to go or that I wanted to go. But I ended up in this place. But if not, I'm still going to love God. Hallelujah. There's two sides of that coin. You're going to find people that when things don't go right, they end up blaming God. How could God do this? How could God allow this to happen? How could the finger gets pointed at God? And many times the finger shouldn't be pointed at God. It should be pointed at humanity. And yet we live in a world that is a fragile, fallen world. There is no guarantee. None of us in this place here today have a guarantee of anything. That's why right now, where you are right now, in the present, you should give God everything that you've got. Don't wait until tomorrow. Don't, don't say, you know what, tomorrow I'll worship God. You may not even be able to worship God tomorrow. There's no guarantee of that. If you've got the ability to clap your hands, stomp your feet, dance, leap for joy, run like a 
run through a troop. You better do it right now while you have opportunity because there is no guarantee tomorrow that you will have the same faculties and the same ability. This is why we live in the present right now. I'm not waiting tomorrow. I'm not looking down the road. I'm living for God now. I'm living for God now while I have the ability and faculties in my body. While I have breath to breathe, I'm going to praise you now. I'm going to worship you now. I'm going to magnify you now. I'm going to exalt you now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Somebody clap your hands and lift up your voice and determine in your heart. I'm going to serve you now, 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 now. None of us, we can stand, it's okay. None of us have the, the ability to look beyond right now. But if not, we live in that fragile existence of a fallen world and sometimes bad things happen to good people. The disciples at Tower of Siloam fell on some people and the disciples said to Jesus, why did this happen? Was there sin involved? And Jesus said, this had nothing to do with sin at all. The tower fell. It's a fragile world. <clears throat> that doesn't mean that we just give up and acquiesce and we don't pray. Praise God. But, but this statement of faith was a deeper understanding that we're going to pray that God delivers us out of the fiery furnace. But if he doesn't. But if not, amen, we're still going to worship and serve the one true living God. And all the things and circumstances in your life that could be categorized at the, as the but if not, amen, you still got to trust God. You still got to praise God. You still got to worship God. You still got to live for God. They were thrown in the fiery furnace and Nebuchadnezzar said, I see one like the son of God or the son of the gods. It was a veiled reference of God himself. It was a theophany walking in the midst of the fiery furnace. When they came out, their appearance had not changed. There was no smell and their clothing was unaffected. And the king's response was, blessed be the God of Shadrach. Meshach and Abednego who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I make a decree. This is the second decree. That every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces 
and their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. The first decree threatened to nationalize idolatry. The second decree guaranteed freedom of worship. The same God that walks with you in the furnace, amen, is the same God that walks through situations in your life. And today in the house of God, the majestic statement of faith that is, that is here before us is, if it be so, God, I believe that you're able. I know that you are able. Has anybody got prayers like that that you have put before God? It doesn't matter what I feel. doesn't matter what I see. If it be so, I believe God is, God is able. Praise God. Is there anybody like that in the house of God here today that would step out of a pew and walk up and say, my faith is before God. I'm going to put this person, this situation, this circumstance, I'm going to put it before God and say, if it be so, God is able. God is able. Praise God. If you've got a prayer like that, I want you to bring it to the front this morning. I want you to lift your hands and lift your voice. And let's start praying about a God that is able. Praise God. If it be so, if it be so, God, you are, you are able. Praise God. Hallelujah. Bring that person before the Lord. Bring that situation before God. And say, others may say it's over. It's not going to work. I believe you're able, God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Come on, whatever it is. Pray for revival in whatever circumstance that is. Speak that person's name. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Come on, all over the sanctuary. Come on, let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. My faith is before you. I believe you're able to do it. I'm going to say it in Jesus' name. If it be so, Lord, if it be so, you're a God that is able to pull me out of the fire. You're a God that is able to help me overcome every obstacle. Hallelujah. God that is able to bring healing, salvation, strength. When leprosy is eaten away, my body, you're a God that is able, praise God, to make me whole. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. If it be so, if it be so. Come on, let's let our faith arise in this place. Come on, God can do it. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. God can do it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. He said, I'll be wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I'll be your healer. Somebody near you. 
somebody's in the house today. Praise God. Praise God. Come on, lift up your voice like a trumpet and say,
but if not, man, there's been some things in my life I've been so disappointed with. Wish you could change them, go back. You can't. They are what they are. But that doesn't mean that I give up on what God is able to do. I'm going to still, I'm going to still believe him, trust him. I want you to bring before God right now all the things that you wish were different. All the things that you wish were different. Praise God. Come on. Put that before God and say, my faith is still in you. Hallelujah. Come on, let's lift up our voice together. Hallelujah. I'm disappointed in that. But if not, God, if not, if not, if I go into the fiery furnace and I perish, God's still God. <laughs> if I pray that prayer and it doesn't get answered, God is still God because that's just who he is. Hallelujah. Come on. I want you to think of something that is a disappointment. I want you to put that before God and say, God, you're still God. You're still faithful. You're still merciful. You're still sovereign. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Come on, rejoice in the but if not, God, I'm still going to give you praise. Praise God. Come on, there's a release in that. There's a release in that. You've been carrying that far too long. Release that and just say, God, you're still worthy of praise. I'm still going to magnify you. I'm not tucking my head down. I'm still going to rejoice in the fact that there is nobody like you. Praise God. Come on, this is where the rubber meets the road. I may have gone through a divorce, but you're still God. I may have had some financial disappointments, but you're still God. There's a victory coming. There's a breakthrough coming. 